Welcome back to Thinking About It. And uh, Dave and I are here ready to chat about uh, something that uh, might have your interest. It has had for us here at Grandview for the last few months. We've been thinking about the gospel, um, not so much as something that is for our good, but as Piper says, for God's glory. Mm-hmm. And uh, our key verse has been Ephesians 1, verse uh, 12, where it says as much that, that Christ... Um, that we are saved basically to the praise of his glory, or elsewhere it says praise of his glorious grace. So, Dave, let's just think about, oh, by the way, do you want to say hello? I think you've been off air for a little while. We've had a few interruptions. Yeah, hey. So you're still alive. I'm still alive and great to be back and, and talking about this this topic for sure. Yeah, we... Um, there are implications to this idea that our salvation, as great as it is, I mean, I'm excited about being saved. I'm excited about uh, escaping the wrath of God, whatever that is, mm-hmm. um, just to have peace with God. Those are great things, but they do tend to center on me. Mm. When we read passages like this, we're made to think that irrespective of how I... Um, enjoy the gospel or the circumstances of my life in any circumstance good or bad this verse tells me that my main concern is to bring glory to god that's the whole point of my salvation and even in eternity we who occupy the streets of gold are living testimonies to the grace of god because we're there because of his grace. We're there because he loved us. And I, I don't recall hearing that taught well in my experience. Salvation has been subjective. God loves me, and it's a wonderful thing. But to think that God planned this whole thing, even my salvation, so that the focus would be on him and his love and his grace, his glory. Mm-hmm. What do we... What do we do with that? I think one of the places that we start is to ask the question, why were we, why were we created in the first place? Um, was it because God was lonely? Was it because God had a need? Was he getting bored with the other two members of the Trinity? Um, was there some kind of gap to be filled? And I think my sense is that God would be completely and totally fulfilled in and of himself, even without a creation. Mm-hmm. But it's almost like the glory is so overwhelming and so stupendous, so mind-boggling, that it was just a desire of mercy and grace and love to share that glory. And so he created a a creation to bask in that glory. And so if that is kind of the premise upon which we start the whole thing, then we understand that, you know, there was a massive fall in the Garden of Eden. The whole redemptive plan in the story of creation is to restore that wonder and beauty of basking in the glory of God. Do you think it's better post-fall? Is God more glorious in in the eschaton than he is in the eternal state before creation? 
That's a fascinating question, and I don't know how to answer that. Can can something grow and get better that's already at the level of perfection, right? And of course, theologians have wrestled with that for mm-hmm. forever, mm-hmm. and there has never yet come what you would call a final answer. But uh, the circumstances of bringing humankind out of massive failure into his glory and into his grace. It's interesting, the second text that you read talked about to the glory of his grace, not just simply objective glory in himself, but to the glory of his grace. And so there's some sense in which rescuing creation from the fall as an act of grace to us mm-hmm. is glory to him. So again, it, it's it's like so many questions, right? It's it's a both end. It's it's. I'm I'm wondering, like God is as glorious as he ever has been. We don't add to his glory, but glory needs to be manifested, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And the the grace if if grace is part of God's glory, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't see that working in the Trinity per se. I do see it working in redemption. Yeah, and you don't see it working in a in a perfect unfallen creation either, right? Right. If if fall if why, the fall why had, do you need grace? Right. If if fall if the fall didn't happen, then Where does God get to show his grace? I'm I don't want to be a heretic, but <laughs> yeah. I I think God God doesn't need to do anything. But he's very interested in his glory. And manifesting that. And we are to the praise of that glory. We were created for that purpose. And Mm -hmm. I think something about God's glory is better known in the cosmos because of our disaster and our redemption. Now, I don't like the implications to that. It just sounds like, well, God needed us. He had to do this. Exactly. And I know better than to say that, but I feel like it. You yeah. know? <laughs> well, and you know, is is it infinite grace just simply to create a creation to bask in His glory? The answer to that question is yes. That is infinite grace. But as you say, can there be different ways of manifesting that grace? And certainly, in His when you when you come to grace and mercy. Um, glory is seen in a in a very different way than if that grace and mercy had never been expressed because of the fall because of sin mm-hmm. it was grace and mercy in the first place to create us that that's grace and mercy too that mm-hmm. is just simply saying uh, i'm going to create a creation to just to simply enjoy the wonder and beauty of who who i am that's grace and mercy in and of itself but there is something more to be i think understood by us at least in uh, in the redemptive realities of what God has brought to be through Christ and the cross and the things that we just celebrated at Easter, at Good Friday and Easter. So if that is the case, <clears throat> if we think that our the whole point of this whole human experiment, if that's what it is, and of our salvation and our interaction with God's grace, if it is all to the praise of his glorious grace. Then how do I deal with the circumstances in my life mm. that suck, right? Yeah. That um, that I'm not happy about. Mm. If 
can I really think that in this circumstance, God will be glorified in, in sickness or in health, in prison or out of prison, like the Apostle Paul said, I can, I can abound? Mm-hmm. Um, that, I think that's got to be a key to uh, our emotional well-being when we, I, I don't want to be trite, but I think that's a, that's a big truth to bring uh, understanding and peace in moments where we just think God has lost control. That is such a tough. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know where I'm going to go right now. And uh, we have a voice in Scripture, in the prayer book of the right. Bible, that allows us to express the deepest mm-hmm. lament of uh, that, that we can possibly think about <clears throat> uh, in those times of deep grief. So, uh, again, uh, you know, I've talked to, said this so many times, when we trot Romans 8.28 too, out too fast, then it becomes destructive. Or count it all joy. Yeah, and someone is going through deep grief, and we run that by them right away. You just say, whoa, 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 hold the phone. So I, ultimately, we get there. Mm-hmm. All right? Ultimately, we do. And every lament psalm ends with a voice of praise. Everyone gets there. It's the only one that does in Psalm 88. We know that one well. But it's interesting because Psalm 89 gets there. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting how the psalmist put 88 and then put 89 beside it in order to get there. So mm-hmm. it, it still does work. Um, so we do get there. Um, but at the same time, I think God, knowing our, our humanity and our capacity for grief, for the gift of grief, I, I, I think it's actually a gift, um, gives us time. But we do get there. If not in this life, we will in the next. But we work hard at getting there now. Mm-hmm. And again, I know probably Stan is listening I was just there this week visiting, and, you know, just to see the way Stan and Donna uh, handle that, I, I'm, I'm deeply impressed. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, and, and you know, he's been coming to church, they've been mm-hmm. coming to church, and he's thoroughly enjoying the worship services. They were ecstatic over the Good Friday service that you had here, and they thoroughly enjoyed the Easter Sunday service with the baptisms and the choir and that kind of thing. Um, but that took a little bit of time. Uh, those first few months that uh, Stan mm-hmm. and Donna journeyed, that, that was tough. It was tough for everybody. Tough for you, tough for me, tough for them, tough for their family. Um, but you can see the inklings of of joy. Um, I told a story when I was there, I told them a story, the funny story that happened to me when I was doing a funeral. Um, some guy lost his phone down the grave. That was, that was a, a funeral. <laughs> this really <laughs> happened? <laughs> yes. The funeral director lost his phone down the, down the grave. That created an interesting moment in the funeral. But, um, and I know Aaron's listening to this, so, uh, you'll be, he'll be laughing right about now. Um, but I told that story, and he just—if he could have roared, he he would yeah. have roared. So yeah. he threw his head back, just laughed, mm-hmm. but of course not a sound. Mm-hmm. And you know, I don't know that that story or any story could have brought that reaction six months ago, a year ago. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So we get there, right? Um, 
so I, I think that we need to be really careful of pulling the trigger too quickly mm-hmm. uh, and getting there. But at the same time, we do. And, uh, and, and, we, and we need to work at that to get there, encourage people to get there. Who may not see it clearly. So our job as counselors is to gently bring them there. Think of Jesus um, at, at Lazarus's mm-hmm. uh, funeral. Yes. He's, he's got this, I'm the resurrection and the life. What's your problem? Mm-hmm. But then he weeps by the tomb. Absolutely. And who knows better than Jesus what's about to happen, mm-hmm. right? So it's an authentic... My God, weeping. my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 22, one of the classic lament psalms, right? And uh, But you read the rest of that psalm, and it ends at this very, very high point mm-hmm. of God's grace and sovereignty, and he knows his own, and it, it ends with this super doxology at the end. But I really believe that uh, the grace of God is tested during these circumstances. And if we are called to the praise of his grace, Mm -hmm. then God wants that to be known. And it's easy to talk about grace when things are well. But when Mm -hmm. you suffer loss, and in that uh, mess and the grieving and everything, there is still this inexplicable peace or this joy or whatever you want to call it at some point. It's, it's got to be the most powerful witness to the gospel when outsiders observe um, how we process our grief and, and how, what, what difference faith makes and how God comforts the widow and the orphan mm-hmm. in ways that others don't experience we we sorrow not as those who have no hope right, right? exactly and so i if that's the case one half of my brain says okay bring it on right let's whatever it takes um but i i'm just going to leave that with god <laughs> <I'm not> gonna, <laughs> i don't want to in my flesh i don't want him to be glorified that much in my life <laughs> i'd rather it be in my health but it just gives people um, something to hold on to when they think all is lost, I'm useless, I can't be anything. Like we know people who might think that way because of their poor health. But what they need to realize is that um, their Heavenly Father sees their circumstances mm-hmm. and there are small ways that they are um, blessing the congregation. Mm-hmm. Um, people who observe our wives, mm-hmm. you know, they process things. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, I can see how God would be gl- is glorified. Rather them than myself, I, I kind of admit, but nevertheless, I see, and they see that in their circumstances, something of the grace of God is made known. I think part of the, th- part of the reality, too, is we've got to let, we've got to give room for folks like, you know the you know whether it's you and my wife or others mm-hmm. uh, in whatever capacity they have to tell their stories. Yeah. yeah, and sometimes we don't give enough room to that. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe uh, that might be a means or a venue. And I think you've got we've got a conference coming up in a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. and I think which some of those stories are going to be told and uh, listening to folks who have gone through the valley, yeah. and have come to some sense of. Not past lament, but lament has now been mo- has been modified by mm-hmm. by doxology, 
That's a voice we need to hear. Hopeful Living in an Anxious World. It's our Christ and Culture Conference, our annual conference. You're one of the workshop leaders, Kelly Capick, who we interviewed just a few weeks ago on the show. Um, he'll be speaking if you're listening and uh, it hasn't passed you by. Uh, you can register online at the Grandview Church website. Well, Dr. Barker, we are out of time. It's been 16 minutes. Um, I think we've resolved this sufficiently, have we? (laughs) Nothing more to talk about. Uh, I want to thank you for listening to us here at Thinking About It. God bless you, and uh, we'll be thinking about it next time. Until then, I'm Bob McGregor. Dave Barker. Thanks for listening. 